You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. And, of course, if you don't want to go the email route, you can just go straight to our webpage at letstalktorah.net. Letstalktorah.net. No apostrophes. One long word. Letstalktorah.net. And you can check out the archives, which is the old shows. You can check the latest shows. You can leave a comment. You can leave a question. We can answer you. And the all-important donate button. We have different levels of donations where people help the show and help us continue to grow and continue to share all kinds of amazing stuff that we talk about every week. And again, I do ask you to hit that donate button and share with friends, and that would be really amazing. So we are right up at Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year. As a joke, I tell my class, right, you know, Today was our last day till after the holidays. So I tell everybody, okay, I'll see you next year. Which, you know, they're third graders. So most of them get it. They know the calendar is turning. They know it's going to be instead of 5783, it's 5784. But there's always some that just are not fully with the program. So one boy says, it's not next year. Next year I'm going to be in fourth grade. I said, okay, next year we're in fourth grade, but I'll see you next year. It was like, you know, it was like cute that he he didn't get it, but I needed them to focus and understand because that's what we do with third graders. We have to teach them to start using their brains. And it was interesting and fascinating, and the year is moving along just beautifully, and right on time we have to have a vacation. But this vacation is for the beginning of the season, of the high holiday season. Everybody refers to it as the high holiday season. And we all, you know, it's called Rosh Hashanah, right? The, the new year, and we wish everybody a happy and sweet new year. But the truth is, the focus of the day has nothing to do with it being a new year, right? If you think about it, right? Everybody knows January 1st. So everybody's up till 12, not me, I'm always sleeping. But everybody's up till midnight, and they're watching the ball drop, and there's drinking and partying, and there's all kinds of parties. No one is staying up. Again, in the Jewish calendar, the day changes at sunset, right? So, or a little bit after sunset. No one's making parties, counting down the seconds to say, okay, new year, for the most part. There's, I mean, we may mention it in prayers, but really it has nothing to do with the day, nothing at all, that it's the new year. As a matter of fact, um, Roshan has multiple names. Um, even in the prayers, we don't refer to it as, 
as Roshana. It is referred to it in some of the poetry, which we'll try to get to later. But it's not, in other words, it's called the Day of Judgment, which we'll talk about. It's called the Day of Remembrance. Um, it's the remembrance of the chauffeur, right? But nothing about the new year. And the reason for that is, I mean, the fact that it's the beginning of the new year is what causes all the different things to take place. But again, it's not a point of, of revelry and rejoicing. It's a very serious day. And like all good Jewish holidays, there's a, almost a contradiction. It is a very serious day. At the same time, we find the prophet uh, Nehemiah talks about they're going to go home and eat and enjoy. If it's such a serious day, why is everybody having big meals? As we go to prayers, come home, and we, and we have a big meal, a festive meal. So again, a contradiction in the day. All these things we're going to try to focus on as we move forward. Now, something that is interesting to note, um, for the most part, um, and without getting into percentages, how many are Orthodox, how many are conservative, how many are Reform, and, and all the other uh, groups. But Jews that are connected to any kind of synagogue, temple, synagogue, shul, whatever, if in any way they're connected, they go to shul on Rosh Hashanah. And Yom Kippur. The rest of the year, eh, take your chances. But, but these two days, just everybody comes. Right? Somehow, it's in our DNA to understand that there is a reason to go pray on Rosh Hashanah. Because it is a serious day. And does everybody understand why they're going? Not sure. But all these things we're gonna we're gonna try to put together. There's a famous Levi Yitzchak. Levi Yitzchak was famous that he was uh, he was like the defense attorney for the Jewish people. And one night he's in synagogue and he uh, and he starts searching under the benches and everybody's sitting and they're looking at him and he's searching under the benches and he he sends out somebody to look in the streets see if he can find him somebody and then he comes back there's nobody in the streets. And he says, God, look at your people. <clears throat> it's the new year, right? Everybody's in synagogue. There's nobody in the streets. No, no one forced them to come. No one is lying drunk under any of the benches. So whatever happens during the year, we have our trials and tribulations and our difficulties, and maybe we're not always so good. But a Rosh Hashanah, when push comes to shove, everybody's here. And they're here for you, God. They're here to recognize, and this is what we're going to talk about today, they're here to recognize you created the world, and Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world, without a birthday cake, but Rosh Hashanah is the, is the birthday of the world, and therefore it's like a re-proclamation, a re-coronation that God created the world, and he's the king of the world, and that's why we're all here, and that alone can be enough to tip the scales in our favor. So let's, let's start discussing the day. One of the important focuses of the day is actually the 
added um, what we call Shemona Esrei. It's called Musaf. There's, there's the morning service, and then there's, well, this is a little bit different, um, but then normally it would be chauffeur. This year, the first day of Sabbath, so there's no chauffeur on the Sabbath. And then there is the additional service called Musaf. And Musaf will always be more of a focus than anything else. Everything that's happening will always happen in that prayer. On Rosh Hashanah, it's that way. On Yom Kippur, it's that way. Some of the most beautiful poetry is said during this service. And one of the things that we do, and it's debatable if it's from the Torah, if it's from the rabbis, but we are going to discuss three things in this Shonesre. One is called Malchios, which is we are going to say ten verses that come up in Torah and in the prophets and in the writings. Actually, the wrong order. It's Torah, writings, prophets. Um, three of each, and then one final from the Torah that will describe God as king. It mentions God as king. We have ten of those verses, and then there will be the description of what it means that God is king. That's one blessing in the middle. There's a second blessing in the middle called Zichronos. Zichronos means remembrance, that God remembers. It talks about how the, the, the prayer itself talks about how God remembered Noah in the flood, right? He's there for a year in his boat, and God remembers Noah and the animals, and he takes care of them. Um, and then again, we'll have 10 verses that talk about God remembering. It is interesting, by the way, we don't, you know, the rabbis, when they picked the verses, they were pretty careful. You don't want to pick a verse that talks about destruction of the Jewish people or stuff like that. We want to talk about good stuff. So we'll have 10 verses talking about how God remembers. And even before we go on, God doesn't forget. It's not a forgetting. But in general, remembering means God is going to do something about it. Anytime we find in the Torah that God remembers, it means he's ready to act on that what we're calling memory, for lack of a better term. It's not a forgetting. It's not pushing off to the side. It just means God's doing something about it. And today is the day, well, Rosh Hashanah, today's not Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the day that God remembers everybody. The whole world marches in front of God, one at a time. So, of course, some of you are thinking, can't all march in front of God one at a time. It doesn't obviously mean we're marching one at a time. What it means is God has the ability to judge each person as an individual on Rosh Hashanah. He gets his own personal focus. It could all happen at the same time. But each person is getting his own personal focus of what his year looked like, which we're going to talk about. As it's obviously, it's right, there's a scale. Good, not so good. Certain things are superstar good. Certain things are superstar not so good. There's excuses. There's uh, situations. Um, there's overcoming um, tests and challenges. Right? And there's, an, there's a, a scale for everything. Everything has a weight. Um, it reminds me of a story. My son just told me this amazing story. Now, the story is not finished. But I think it's a good thing to think about. So my son lives in uh, Florida, and 
he's become friendly with a family who they have a son, an Orthodox boy, superstar basketball player. Superstar. Now, what do I know superstar? I have no idea. The boy's in high school. And there's leagues I know in the summer and the Catskills and, and basketball's a big deal and everybody's talking this guy is in a league of his own. But that's not a good proof. Proof is that whatever traveling team or group he was with, um, they went to play um, the Georgia State championship team. And one of the college, one of the high school players on that Georgia State team um, is going to college. He's supposed to be a, a fantastic player. And there were like 80 coaches from different colleges that were there to watch this Georgia player. Well, this nice Jewish boy covered him. He took him. And he held him to eight points. And the coaches were blown away. Who is this guy? And you can imagine only that the scholarships are starting to come. So when my son told me the story, I says, you know, I feel terrible for this boy. Think about it. This boy... If he's so good, right, college is open, he certainly at least has the opportunity, the direction to go towards the NBA. We all know what that means, millions and millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over a career. The problem is it's pretty much impossible to be a Sabbath-observing Jew and be a basketball player. Colleges play on Saturday. I mean, is it possible that he could sleep over in the in, in this in the stadium or in the or in the court? And it's possible. It's not in the spirit of the Sabbath, but realistically, there's traveling and there's games and there's stuff that has to be done. It is almost an impossibility to be a Sabbath observer and an Orthodox ball player. Yes, there are Jewish colleges. There's certainly, yes, and NYU's had a team, and there was a guy that was sort of drafted, and I know he plays like in the D League or something. But but really, really, right, if we're honest about it, so here's a, a child that is looking at, I already kept Sabbath, I want to keep Sabbath. Perhaps millions of dollars. I never had such a challenge, that I can assure you. And most of us have never had the challenge of somebody saying, you know, here's 10, 20, 30, 40, these numbers don't even mean anything to me and you, Right? Millions of dollars, okay, you know, be a little loose with the Sabbath. And I can't tell you the end of the story. But what is the value of keeping Sabbath for that child? See, for me, okay, I grew up with it, I enjoy it, I love it. I'd be embarrassed probably if somebody caught me doing something wrong on the Sabbath. So, and that's so hard at the end of the day for me to keep Sabbath. But that guy? Man, as... If both of us, in a few years from now, are sitting around a table keeping Sabbath, right? So my Sabbath, of course, has value. But what do you think his is worth? He gave up millions, millions, millions to be able to sit by a Shabbos table. That's unbelievable. So obviously, there's a calculation in the scales of how hard was this for you to do? Right? What did it cost you? And... That alone gives you a feeling of how exact the judgment has to be because everybody is an individual. 
So that's the concept thing. We're just going through this quickly, and then we're going to take each one a little bit longer. Here we're just giving the intro. And then the third set of verses is called Shofros. There'll be ten verses that say Shofar, and it's actually problematic, because in the Torah it seems there's only three. Finding the fourth one is a little problematic. They use trumpets instead of Shofar, plus they use a different verse from, I think, uh, from writings. Um, in any case, ten verses, and in that one, interesting enough, that paragraph is actually talking about the receiving of the Torah. When God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai, so it was given with a lot of noise, a lot of things were happening. There was noise and lightning and thunder and rain and fire and everything. And there was the sound of the shofar. So the Medrash says that shofar was actually from the ram when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac, by the binding of Isaac, and God said, don't sacrifice your son. And there was a ram that was like stuck in the bushes that was coming to uh, save Isaac, but it was stuck in the bushes. So Abraham took that ram and he slaughtered, he brought it as a sacrifice, and one of those horns, one of those ram's horns, was blown by Mount Sinai. Right? And we try, you don't have to, but I don't know, almost anybody, any one person once who did not use a ram's horn, but overall, it is always the ram's horn. It's always the ram's horn that's used on Roshana because, because the ram's horn, again, is a reminder that Abraham was willing to give up his son. Abraham was willing to give up everything he stood for because God said. So that self-sacrifice is what we still live with today as a merit that God should be nice to us. Right? Every, everything comes from the foundation. Okay, so in the Musa prayer, right, this is the big focus of the Musa prayer, we have these 10 verses of God is king, God remembers, and we have shofar. So now we're gonna we're not gonna finish in, in this show. We're gonna it's gonna be a continuation in the next show to get us into some of the details that there's no way uh, I'm gonna finish talking about now. But let's talk first things first. So first thing we're doing is we are we are coronating God, we are re-recognizing that God is king. The story is told, city rebelled against the king. King said, send the taxes. City said, mm, we don't think so. And the king sent more messengers, and, and the message came back, we're not interested. So the king gets his army together and marches to the city. Okay. The city now realizes this not paying taxes was a very foolish idea because the army's going to come and just take all your money anyways and destroy your city, so you might as well pay the taxes. So what do you do, though? The king is coming. He's all upset. So what the town does to protect themselves is they start going out in their finest garments and they have trumpets and, and, and they have parades and welcome and signs. We welcome the king to our city. We're so sorry. We misunderstanding. We're so, we'll, we'll be much more careful here, of course, is our, is our taxes. And, and of course, the king is very pleased, right? 
it's true the city rebelled, and it's true they were deserving of punishment, but they they've reaccepted the king. That alone is enough to move things along smoothly, which is exactly right one of the things that we are trying to accomplish. Um, a friend of mine called me. He always calls me. He's older than me. And he always calls me when it's a time of prayer, when it's a good, auspicious time for prayer. So that would be an interesting discussion. Do we ask for personal needs on Rosh Hashanah, or is Rosh Hashanah just to crown, to coronate God as king, and leave the private requests for another day? So... There are some rabbis who say it should be just for God, and some rabbis say you can make personal requests. But those rabbis that say you can make personal requests, the concept is that if my prayer, if I understand that the only one who can take care of my prayer is God, isn't that the same thing as crowning God as king and saying, obviously I'm asking you because you're the only one that can take care of me. So the fact, when you recognize that your needs can only be taken care of by God, okay, it's a good deal, right? So he's recognizing God as king, so what's the problem? I've said this story over multiple times. When I was in seventh grade, so a friend, uh, I think I've said it multiple times, but um, I had a friend, when I was in seventh grade, he was in eighth grade, and there was a raffle. And my friend hadn't sold any raffles, and his class was upset at him, so... He came to me as a friend and said, could you please buy a raffle ticket? I said, sure, you're my friend. The problem was I grew up pretty poor, or at least that was the feeling that I always had. So as a seventh grader, I was embarrassed to ask my parents even for a dollar. I know this is nowadays, this is like my kids have no problem if I walk into the house. I need $5, I need $10, I need $10, I need $20. Like the pockets just empty out. So like why carry cash? They're not embarrassed at all. But I was, uh, it made me nervous. So I said to myself, I know. I will pray so hard that God will take care of me and make me win a prize. My parents will give me a dollar because I won something. What's the big deal? Sure enough, I prayed like I never prayed before. And I won. And then, years later, I said, what a waste of a prayer. I want some stupid radio. So that's a prayer. Like, what's, what's the value of that prayer? I wasted my best prayer. But then, as I got a little older, I said, no, that was a great prayer. I was a seventh grader. Ah, what do I know about prayer? But I knew that the only one that could take care of me was God. <laughs> that's the best prayer possible. So according to that concept, according to that concept, you would be allowed to go ahead and make a private request, even though the purpose of the day is to coronate God, to recognize God as king. But in this case, by if, if when I make a personal request, I recognize that I'm nothing and it's all God, that alone makes everything worthwhile because that, that, that just makes it work. Okay. So... Continuing in this concept that we're, we're recognizing that God is king, you know, it reminds me of the Shema, right? We say Shema, we say God is one, 
So we're constantly, at least, maybe it's not the full focus, but everybody understands the Shema says that God is one, God is king. And the truth is, there's always this famous question. I'm being judged on Rosh Hashanah, right? But on Rosh Hashanah, I'm just saying God is king. And Yom Kippur, I get a chance to repent to change the scales. So if the scales weren't so good on Rosh Hashanah and I'm not in such a good position, so I can repent through Rosh, through Yom Kippur, including Yom Kippur, and then it will recalibrate the scales, and then I'll be fine. It's really backwards. First, I should be repenting to say everything I did wrong. I'm sorry. Now I'm ready to be judged. It should be Yom Kippur first, and it should be Rosh Hashanah second. We're going to get back to this question. So just make sure you listen to the next show. But as of now, the music is playing, and I know you all like it. Short and sweet. So thank you to our wonderful sponsor listener. I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build Every room inside is filled With things from far